is the Business of Reselling podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Oman. Oh, hey, everybody. Oh, it has been a minute since I did an episode and um, I have a bunch of reasons for it, which I will go over in a second. But because it has been I think about four weeks since I released an episode. Episode 28 is going to be mostly an update episode just to let you know what has been going on with the business, where we have been, what we are doing. But I always want to work in some kind of theme into every episode. So I'm also going to talk about our summer selling strategy. So a lot of uh, sellers worry about the summer because it tends to be a slower time for reselling with people out and about doing all kinds of fun summer things. Um, But we have found ways to keep sales relatively consistent over the summer months. So I thought I would talk about that today as well. All right. Uh, So it has been a while, like I just mentioned, since I did an episode, it's been a really rough few weeks. Uh, I actually got sick in... um, the beginning of May, and then I had family visiting, and uh, then I think I squeezed an episode in there somewhere. Then we went on vacation, which I'm going to give you a whole spiel on in a minute um, for a couple of weeks, and I told myself I was going to podcast during the vacation or at least create some YouTube videos, but it turned out that I wanted my vacation to actually be a vacation, so I didn't do so much uh, recording of content during that time. I did a little bit, but not a whole bunch. Then I got sick right at the end of the vacation, and then I got food poisoning. So (laughs) here we are, and this is the reason why I am here on summer solstice and not out with Johan as he is out tonight with people. I am still recovering from this week's illness, so hopefully we're going to be on the up and up. Anyway, let's get right into it. I'm going to give you an update on our vacation as it pertains to reselling into our business um, because of course it's impossible to go on a vacation without doing some kind of sourcing right because that's just how it is you got to see what's available in the places where you do not live Um, so I'm going to go over that that'll be a little bit and then I'm going to talk about our summer strategy so yeah so we decided to go on this uh, long-ish road trip and um, when we want to go on road trips we always have trouble deciding like where the end point of the road trip is going to be. This time it was easy because I have a friend down in Los Angeles who said, um, hey, Lizzo is coming to Palm Desert around your birthday and I got a ticket, you should come. And I mean, that's an invitation that's hard to turn down. So Palm Desert ended up being the uh, furthest point of our trip. And we so we went all the way down through um, Washington, Oregon and California, uh, almost to the bottom and then back up again. Uh, And we wanted to see Lake Tahoe. Uh, We'd been there once before, but like literally only for lunch on another road trip. So we wanted to spend some time there um, and really kind of uh, see parts of the West Coast that were not right on the coast. We actually only spent about a day and a half actually on the ocean because we've done that road trip many times because we are lucky people to get to do that uh, multiple times in our lives. So we decided to spend most of it inland this time. Um, So along the way, we wanted to do some sourcing and our goal was to bring the truck back as full as possible. And I have another video on the YouTube channel already that shows us emptying that full truck. So you will see proof that in fact, we did absolutely 
stuff it. And the only part of that video that you don't see is that the whole inside cab of the truck is also full, um, not just with our vacation stuff, but with the sort of everything else that we had to kind of Tetris into the back to make sure that we could squeeze it all in and get it home. Uh, so we first uh, traveled down through, we went straight through Seattle and Portland, but we did stop at a couple of estate sales on the way and picked up not a lot of stuff. It was actually kind of disappointing, but I ended up getting some gauges. I really like car gauges and oil pressure gauges and stuff like that. I don't know. It's an aesthetic for whatever reason. I like them. Uh, so I always pick them up and they're usually cheap. And I picked up this box of gauges for like $30. And I thought that, ah, you know, I can flip that into maybe a hundred bucks or something. But it turns out that they're really good brands. And they're very expensive gauges. So I might be able to turn that into more like $250 to $300. Um, so that turned into a better pick than I expected. Anyway, we made our, down, our way down to Eugene that day, uh, not realizing, of course, that it was the American May Long weekend because the Canadian one is the week before. So it took us 11 hours to get to Eugene, which should never have happened, um, but it did and it hurt and, and the day was difficult. But we got there and we did some estate sailing in Eugene. And again, that wasn't great. We went to then we ended up in Klamath Falls. And while we were there, uh, I found out about a theater in a little place called Tula Lake. I don't even know if I'm saying that right in California, just across the Oregon, California border. Uh, this person had bought an entire movie theater full of stuff. Like I guess some hoarder had owned it before and tried to operate some kind of thrift shop there, but never really sold anything. So it was just packed with stuff and she said it had been I think some I don't know it's been some time that she'd been trying to empty it out but there was just mountains and mountains and mountains of things inside this theater and it was such a cool kind of historical experience to go to this town which really felt like a ghost town I mean especially compared to like living in a large metropolitan area like we do going to these tiny tiny towns is like walking into a movie set or something it's it's so strange just not that many people around, not really any activity in the community. Doesn't seem like there's a whole lot going on there, but I guess there are some efforts to sort of um, revitalize the town. Um, and she's hoping to be part of that. But anyway, uh, movie theater full of stuff. We picked in there for a while. Um, we only spent about $100 at the theater, but uh, we've come away with some pretty interesting items. Um, there were thousands of bike parts in there. So we got some cool old vintage shifters and derailers, um, chain guards, things like that, some old car parts. And we're going to do fine with that stuff. We haven't processed it all, but um, there's definitely some money in there. But I just loved the experience of seeing the theater, learning a little bit of the history behind it. And it really felt like I was in this episode of American Pickers, just going in there and, um, and hanging out and sort of figuring out how all of the things got there. So that was cool. Uh, then we went to Lake Tahoe and we didn't do much, which was exactly what we wanted. Uh, did hit a couple thrift stores, which uh, if you know me, you know that thrifting, I think thrifting is a waste of time. And I am gonna do an episode on that one day, but it's what I think. Uh, but we did stop at a couple thrift stores and one of them happened to be having a 75% off everything sale. So, I mean, hey, and of course I bought Barbie dolls because like after our $12,000 purchase in March, how could I not buy more Barbie dolls? And that's what I did. Uh, <laughs> so that's how the beginning of the trip went, but we didn't really get a lot of stuff. 
we ended up down in California, um, sort of as the next following weekend approached and hit up some estate sales there. And one of the things that I love about sourcing while traveling is that you get to see the kind of things that are typical of a region that people have everywhere. Like, you know, if you're if you're up in BC, you know, you see like if you go to the smaller communities, you see lots of like logging stuff and mining stuff that's really common, like lots of things that represent the coast and industry and things like that. And we're just kind of used to it and we see it all the time and it's not that interesting um, to us anymore. And then down in California, you get kind of like, especially Southern California, you get kind of all of that like, uh, like mid-century vibe uh, stuff, like lots of like Hollywood inspired decor. And one thing that I saw all over the place, everybody seems to have vintage radios. Like they're, they're everywhere. People mostly want crazy prices for them, but they're super common to see. Um, that was interesting. It's really hard to find vintage radios up in British Columbia for whatever reason. But anyway, that was just something that I noticed. And, uh, so we hit a few sales and again, we didn't feel like we'd acquired a lot of stuff, you know, like the truck was getting like a little bit full, but um, you know, we weren't getting a whole bunch, but I picked up some really cool things and I want to tell you about them. Um, you'll see them in the eBay store, although a bunch of them have already sold because they're that cool. Um, but one thing I grabbed from an estate sale, which was right on the main table in the middle of the living room, when you walked into the house, they had laid out a, about a dozen brochures. Uh, well, they looked like brochures on this table. And I picked one up and it was an annual report from 1953. And I know because we can get lots of industry stuff up in BC that we can actually sell annual reports and people buy them. So the ones we usually get are like forestry related or mining or utility related. Um, this one was oil and gas and it was from Aramco, a company that uh, operated oil um, extraction uh, company in Saudi Arabia. And these, you know, so this was from 1953, this annual report. So I did a quick little eBay search while I was in there and I found the exact same report had sold for 675 US. And I was like, whoa, okay. Well, I said, how much for the whole stack? He says, 45 bucks. I'm like, yeah. So I go get it. Johan's all disappointed because he just did the whole house and didn't find anything. I'm like, doesn't matter. I got the treasure. Like, let's go. Uh, so I did sell some of the ephemera really, really fast, which uh, may, probably means I sold it too low. Like there was like a little greeting card from Saudi Arabia, Christmas card from 1949. I think I sold it for 25 bucks. A couple little pieces of ephemera, including like newsletters that the oil and gas companies would give to their staff, things like that. Sold out of all of that stuff really fast. I put the annual report up for $900 because I had seen others from other similar ones from other years sell for up to 1000. So I have it at 900 um, to attract some interest and I'll probably have to drop the price, but I'm okay with that. Like <laughs> it's fine. Um, but I did put up a piece of ephemera at auction last week from that. And it was an Aramco celebrating 15 years of achievement in Saudi Arabia, 1933 to 1948. Uh, so I put that up for auction for a starting bit of 50 bucks. It sold tonight for 130 US. So super pumped about that. Um, just waiting for the buyer to pay. So that was pretty cool and kind of an interesting thing that obviously most people had overlooked because it was quite prominently displayed. And it was the first day of the sale but we were there quite late in the day. So 
Um, you know, it was just something that people didn't notice had value. Uh, and another thing we got, which was on the way out of um, Southwest California, as we headed north of LA and towards the coast, we stopped at uh, the last day of an estate sale. And one of the things I love about going to an estate sale on the last day, of course, is that everything is marked down um, and then you can really negotiate. So um, there really wasn't a lot left at this sale. They, you could tell that there had been a lot of really cool stuff. So we were like, oh, we missed the good part, but like, it didn't matter. Um, one of the things I picked up and I didn't realize what it was at first, but it was an old uh, pay station for a pay phone, but the patent date on in the front is 1898. So think about that, like, whoa, that's old. And it had a single slot in it for a nickel. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I was like, I, I didn't figure that out till later. I just grabbed it because I loved the whole like uh, aesthetic of it. I was just like, this is cool. It has like an old gear in the back. It's heavy. It's iron. Like it has the nameplate on it. I don't really know what it is. Guy wanted two bucks. So I'm like, yeah, totally take that. And I have it up for auction right now, with, uh, which does not end until Sunday. I'm recording this on Wednesday. So we have uh, four days left in the auction and it's uh, at 460 dollars which is pretty amazing so we'll see what it goes for it has 31 watchers so it's a really exciting auction i don't do many auctions on ebay but certain things um where i see that that the item is one that typically sells at auction or i can't find anything um, exactly like it i will try that at auction i would have i started the bidding at $200, I would have obviously been thrilled with that. Um, it sounds like we're going to do a lot better. So that was cool. And then just by pure fluke, I get contacted by somebody just outside of Seattle, while we're heading back up through California, who says we've got this die cast collection, we want to sell it. Would you be interested in coming down to take a look? And I said, well, as it turns out, I'm south of you and coming right through town. And that was on our last day of our road trip. So we were like, oh, we did fine, but we didn't really fill the truck. And then boom, we bought this big die cast collection. Um, and I think we got a good deal on it. Um, I think there was some really, really neat stuff in there. And some die cast brands that we had never even heard of, like some really high end stuff, um, which was pretty cool. So we got to learn something about that. And, uh, and yeah, so we ended up absolutely packing the truck with all of that stuff. And we actually had to leave one vintage radio behind because we just could not fit it in. But uh, that's okay, we got two others. Um, so if you're listening to this as a Canadian, you might be thinking, well, what did you do when you brought all that stuff back across the border? And the thing is, the process is actually, at least in our experience has been much more simple than you might think. I can't remember if I've talked about this on a previous podcast, but I might have. Um, anyway, I'll just update you on that. So, you know, we spent X amount of dollars down in the US and we just declare what we spent. I get as many receipts as I can, um, but you know, cash sellers won't always give you receipts. So you don't get it for everything. Um, but I try to just make a list of generally what we spent and we come back across the border and they always ask, what are you bringing back? And we're always like a bottle of gin because of course, and um, you know, we spent this much money on stuff at outlet malls and garage sales. And they're like, cool. And sometimes they say, did you get anything interesting? You know, and we'll be like, oh, we got some old toys, you know? And they'll be like, yeah, cool. Have a great night. Uh, one time we had to go in and pay the GST, which is what you're supposed to do when you bring stuff over. You're supposed to pay GST on it. Um, 
but it's at their discretion and I that's only they've only asked for it the one time which was on a one a same day trip over and back a few years ago so uh anyway so no problems there we prepared for whatever they need from us but you know they're like you look tired you know go home yeah cool so we did that. So that's the, that was kind of the sourcing end of the road trip. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, we actually did better than we realized. Uh, so pretty happy, pretty happy about that. Got some good inventory. Um, and so we thought, oh, and also our vacation sales were pretty good. So I had the store on vacation uh, and then I took it off and then I put it back on because we had someone come in and do our shipping about halfway through the trip. Um, and our sales were actually surprisingly decent um, over the course of that span. Usually when you put your store on vacation mode or time away, they call it now, uh, our sales dwindle to very little and we only sell three to six things a day maybe. This was, this was decent. We had, I don't know, we had like almost 100 packages, I think, over the course of that vacation. So yeah, like that was pr that was pretty decent, um, and a couple of thousand dollar days, so that was really nice. Uh, so we thought, oh, this is great. We're bringing back some nice inventory, and our store is already doing okay. So we're gonna be doing awesome when we come back. And uh, no, <laughs> sales have been extremely slow. So this is where I'm gonna transition and start talking about our summer strategy. Um, so why? I don't know. We've been listing quite a bit. I think we have some good inventory. We're always trying to improve the quality of our inventory. Um, there has been a lack of consistency because we've been away and I've been unwell a few times. Um, so we're not necessarily listing tons of stuff every day. So maybe that's an issue. Um, I guess school's ending. Um, you know, summer is typically slow and maybe that's just kind of starting early this year. Um, you know, I did look at our year to date sales compared to year to date last year and they're about identical. So this kind of few days of, uh, although I would say they're shockingly low sales, we had one day where we only sold four things, which like, what? <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous. Um, and it was like under $200. Uh, you know, th these things happen, they're usually temporary, you know, there's a few days of a lull, whatever, for whatever reason, and there's no point in even speculating on it. But this was kind of like, oh, whoa, like, we're doing all the things like, it should be working. Um, so I don't know, it was actually so slow that I reached out to eBay and asked them if something was wrong. And I like, I hate doing this. And it actually bothers me when other people do it. Um, I hate doing I already know what they're going to say, you know, they're going to say, oh, uh, you haven't filled out all your item specifics. And then they're going to say, hey, you know, you're not offering free shipping on all of your 7,000 items. Maybe you should offer free shipping. It's like, yeah, 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 whatever. And that's exactly what they said. Um, but the other reason I don't like this kind of outreach to eBay with when it comes to slow sales is like, I'm never going to blame the platform for my slow sales. Like, we know technical glitches happen. They are real. They are temporary. Uh, my business is still mine, and 99% of the responsibility of making it successful is mine and Johan's because we own it together. So I don't, I just wanted to like, I don't know, I was like, maybe there's been a technical problem that I'm not aware of. Um, I even feel kind of ashamed about even doing that, but I did it. And whatever, 
Um, so what I also did simultaneously is I've put a sale on most of my items, almost store-wide, about 20% off. And I've added a public 5% coupon to most items. So create a public coupon. Anybody can see it. They go to our listing. They can get, they can enter it, get 5% off. Um, and I'm just using eBay seller marketing tools to make sure that as many people as possible know about the sale and they know about the coupon. So I do create buyer groups. If you haven't experimented with this, do it. Um, go into your marketing section and, and create some buyer groups. You can segment by category, by how long it's been since people bought from you and a couple of other things. Create a bunch of groups and then target your sales to those groups. So if I put diecast on 25% off, I'm gonna create a buyer group of all diecast buyers that have bought from me and I'm gonna reach out to them and say, hey, we're having a big sale on diecast. Um, so I try to let it let people know and I will segment by category to make the better use of my time when it comes to those marketing tools. Um, targeted marketing is always gonna be more effective. Uh, so that's what I use. Sorry if my voice sounds a little bit rocky. I haven't talked a lot in the last few days because I've just been so ill. I haven't really been speaking. So I guess my vocal cords aren't used to it. Uh, anyway, so um, I'm doing that. And and that seems to, I started all that stuff within the last couple of days um, between bouts of illness and, um, and sales are starting to pick up again. Plus we have these hot auctions going. So uh, yeah, I think it's okay. I also did a contest on my newsletter list uh, to give away a mini license plate. Um, I don't think I've spoken about the mini license plates on the podcast yet, but we picked up uh, about 2000 of these things at a yard sale for 50 bucks. They're like the miniature like souvenir ones where you get like your name on it, like personalized. Um, so there were like, what would we pay for that? Like six cents each or something. Anyway, we've been putting them up for 10 bucks free letter mail shipping and they've been selling really well. So I did a contest and I was like, hey, if you can guess how much we paid for all of these mini license plates, you get one for free. Um, and I got hundreds of clicks out of my email list for that. And um, at least 1000 people opened each one of those emails. That was great. That led to some sales as well. I put a post on my business on the Storage Warrior Facebook page about those license plates. Um, and I said, you know, here's the link. And I boosted that post for $30 over 14 days targeting men over the age of 40 living in British Columbia because almost all the license plates are British Columbia plates. And I think that's resulting in sales. I have to say, I think because I can't add a pixel, like a tracking pixel to my eBay listing to know if the sales are coming directly from that. But that one has had um, several hundred, uh, let's see, I've had it open for three days and it's had 545 link clicks. So like I imagine some of the license plate sales are also coming from that. Um, so I've been doing all of these things to kind of spur some activity, get the algorithm going, you know, um, bring attention to our store and I think it's working. So Happy about that. Um, so that's kind of general stuff, but for summer, um, to combat the summer slump, I usually do a big like Christmas in July sale. So that'll probably be coming up in the next, uh, I guess three or four weeks, I'll launch that and I'll do like up to 50% off like all my old stock and really try to move stuff. Um, but I don't have like, other than that, like a specific strategy for summer other than to maybe place a bit more of a laser focus on repeat buyers because if you nurture them, talk to them and remind them that you're around and you have more stuff that they like, they will come back and it doesn't matter the time of year. So that's really key when things are slow is to have 
that audience of people who already know and trust you. And they will come back even when other people are out doing other things. Uh, so staying in front of those buyers with good sales and cool merchandise, um, constantly replenishing the store with similar types of items to bring those repeat buyers back. I think that's really key for summer. It's important all year round, but in the summer, I think it matters more. Um, what I'd like to do better, though, is social media. Um, more regular Instagram posts, more Facebook posts, um, not just advertising my stuff, but like adding value, sharing cool finds, doing a better job of sharing these podcast episodes far and wide, um, and boosting posts for specific types of items that I have a lot of, like those license plates, to bring in more buyers and sell them out more quickly. So like I have 2,000 of these license plates. I've sold about 60. So yeah, we have a way to go. But not bad investment for $50, I feel like. We're doing quite well. Um, plus, they hardly take up any space, and I love that. Um, so I really need to do better on social media and I'm thinking like, I'm probably going to have to hire a, a social media coordinator or at least a poster or somebody to like create the content for me because as much as I know what I'm supposed to be doing and as good as I am at actually creating the posts themselves when it comes to like scheduling them and making the little, you know, images to go with the posts and stuff like that, like, uh, I'm just, I'm useless at it. I just don't enjoy it. And so you know, when you don't enjoy doing something, it ends up taking you more time, <laughs> which makes it even less enjoyable and it just compounds. Yeah. So that's me with social media posting. Uh, so if you or anyone you know would be interested in a little contract gig to create some social media posts, maybe I'm your gal. Reach out to me and uh, connect me. I'm interested in talking to somebody about that. Um, so that's the general plan for summer and beyond to use the marketing tools that are at my disposal and yours in a better way to create some visibility without spending a whole lot more on ads. Although I am willing to put money into that. Like we only spend like maybe um, 2000 bucks a year on marketing, if that. And, you know, we have good margins and I think we could probably put some more money into it um, and try to move through our inventory a little bit faster because uh, the pace of play is just always too slow for me. I want things to be selling faster than they do. I think we all have that desire, don't we? Anyways, that's my episode for today. I just wanted to update you, let you know how things are going um, and give you what I hope will be a legitimate promise that I will be getting regular content out to you now. Hopefully all of my pains and sicknesses are done and I'm going to have a nice, fun, healthy summer with lots of cool stuff to share with you. So call to action today. I just want to know what uh, do you source well on the road? Like what's the coolest thing you've ever sourced while you were on vacation? I would love to know that. Um, and I am also looking for suggestions for the next episode. I still have a bunch of things in my arsenal of ideas, um, but it's great. It's almost more fun to just respond to suggestions for episodes and they get great engagement. So leave a comment and let me know what you would like me to do my next episode about and I will definitely get to it sooner than later. Don't forget to subscribe. If you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple or any podcaster, make sure that you are also subscribed on YouTube at youtube.com slash at storage warrior podcast so that you get access to the fun little videos that I always promise to share more of. All right, that's it for this week. We will see you in a couple weeks with a new episode.